Welcome to the latest episode of the Nudges for Social Good podcast from the Local Government Association. My name's Rian Gladman. I've managed the Behavioural Insights Programme at the LGA uh, for the last four years. Um, really, we're here to help demystify behavioural insights and help people working in councils to actually have a go, uh, learn from other councils and undertake your own behavioural insights projects. So today I'm joined by Sue Cummings, who's Head of Behavioural Insights and Change at Liverpool City Council. Um, Sue, I'll ask you to, to introduce yourself. Thank you for being with us today. Really appreciate um, you giving up your time to speak to us. And, and over to you, really, to introduce your career and your background. Please. OK, thank you, Rianne. Um, in terms of my background, I started life in the commercial sector. Um, so I have 25 years of experience of marketing and research working for a FTSE 100 company. Um, and the commercial world are masters at understanding the customers. The public sector still need to catch up. In terms of budgets, public sector has a fraction of the money that the commercial world have, but I strongly believe by using behavioural insights, it creates the effective, efficient and sustainable way to change behaviour using very little money, which the commercial world have lots of. So, I brought this knowledge into the public sector um, 10 years ago, started life in the NHS, understanding um, why customers, um, patients, consumers behave the way they do, understanding what they wanted and needed from services before they knew it themselves. And it's by using this understanding that we can then revolutionise things like services, pathways, how people are serviced in the public sector and then how we can change their behaviour for social good. So um, to kick us off, would you mind giving us an example of a, a behavioural insights project that you've undertaken in the city and, and, and talk to us really about what was the behaviour that you were, you were trying to change and what did you do? So the example I'm going to use is um, reducing obesity. So in Liverpool we have huge issues with childhood obesity. Over 40% of children in Liverpool who are aged 11 are either obese or overweight. So we looked at how we could change this behaviour on both a population level and also doing a trial. So we, we looked at two different types of approaches. We started off by um, using a nudge technique called salience. So salience is where something is drawn to your attention if it's personal to you. So there's a lot of confusion around the amount of sugar in products that children, adults eat and consume. So we actually took on the commercial world ourselves, um, which is a first for a local authority. So we named and shamed branded products. Um, first set of products was drinks, then it was breakfast cereals, then it was yogurts. And we named the exact products that the consumers in Liverpool eat and drink. And we showed the amount of sugar within those products. It was a huge success. People could see exactly what they have in their cupboards look in terms of how much sugar then they're consuming. At the same time, we had the opportunity to um, apply for grant funding from the LGA. Now, this was a, a, a project then that we trialled in terms of reducing the sales of sugary drinks at the point of retail. So we had to find um, stakeholders to work with in a retail setting to trial this out in a setting whereby people went to buy drinks. So we started off um, looking for partners, i.e. supermarkets, 
and we got into very lengthy talks with the co-op um, and we got sort of further down the line with the co-op and it became apparent quite late on in those talks that the co-op um, had targets to meet in terms of sales and so it wasn't the right environment for us to continue in trialling this type of work with the co-op. So we had to sort of take a pause and look for different partners to work with on the project. We looked closer to home in terms of environments that we had more control over and we've spoken to our colleagues in the NHS. Um, we have seven hospitals in Liverpool, so we started there and we had talks with two of the major hospitals in terms of the cafes that are in those hospitals and the retail settings within those cafes. And the cafes within those hospitals were very keen to work with us on a trial to reduce the sale of sugary drinks. So the nudge techniques um, which we used, there was two techniques, one called choice architecture. So how choice is presented to us can influence our behaviour. So supermarkets, for example, know that if they present items middle of the shelf at eye level, people are going to buy more of those products than if they're higher or below eye level. So one of the techniques we use was putting sugary drinks on the bottom shelf and putting the healthier drinks in the middle shelf. And then the second technique was having nudge signs on the bottom shelf with those sugary drinks, highlighting the amount of sugar in those drinks. The so, sorry, Sue, what did those signs look like? Can, okay. you, can you tell, tell me a bit more, and, and for, for the listeners as well, what did those signs look like if others wanted to recreate yes. them? It was something very simple. Good. It was shaped <laughs> like a stop sign, so it was a red hexagon stop sign okay. and the sign was high sugar a high sugar diet can lead to weight gain and tooth decay and drinks on this shelf contain at least eight grams of sugar per 100 mils so it was a very simple um, message and in terms of the actual nudge it was very cheap to produce and then very cheap to administer so the trial happened over 14 weeks and every alternative week we put these nudges on the shelves in the cafes. So it was one week on, one week off. And then over those 14 weeks, we measured the sales of drinks while those nudges were on and were off. And what the, um, the data concluded over those 14 weeks was that we reduced the sale of sugary drinks by 7.2%, but the overall sale of drinks remained the same. So leading to the conclusion that then people chose a healthier alternative during when those the shelf nudges were used um, during the trial. So something which is very cheap, easy to administer and something which then we're hoping to upscale across the city. Do you think it was you know, vitally important to put that nudge in at the right point in that customer's journey through the hospital cafe? So at that point of decision making about what yes. drink am I going to get yes there's a really visual kind of bright you know bright red sign rather than actually when they got to the cash point or as they walked into the cafe do you okay the sugar and uh, the consumption of sugar is actually through mindless consumption dependent on the environment yeah. so we're actually bombarded with these nudges in the commercial world you walk into a supermarket and you have the multi-buys, you have the meal deals, and you don't consciously think about these, but these types of messages, 
then nudge you in a certain direction in terms of your behaviour. So we do this unconsciously. We make these decisions without even thinking we're making them. So by having these nudges on the shelves at that point where you're making that decision whether to have that drink or have something else is very important to have it at that point where you're actually making that, that purchase and that decision. If you have it before and then you come to a drink shelf, you'll have forgotten that you need it then because it, it unconsciously directs you in a direction which we want to direct that consumer. So what lessons have you learned through undertaking uh, the, the BI projects such as the one you've just set out there? Overall, in terms of lessons learned, it's a very effective and sustainable way to change behaviour. As I've just mentioned, um, now we've got the learnings from this, we can upscale this at very little cost. The, the shelf nudges cost little money to administer. You need to find the right partners though to then administer this. So a key learning to us is starting at the very beginning and consider the partners you're going to work with in terms of how much control are you going to have over that environment. I'd say give yourself a lot of time to set something up because sometimes it may take longer to set up a trial than first envisaged. Just as I've said in terms of having to change partners part way through. Um, it's not always the partner's priority as well in terms of their day job. So you have to work with them and be very flexible in terms of what you're trialling with people and work within their environment at the same time. You need to consider what data you have available. Ideally, you need pre-data to the trial, so data before the trial, data after the trial. And also, with these types of things, it would be really good to have a control group as well. Now, I'm not talking about control in an academic way. Um, within this um, trial, to have our control, it's when we had the shelf nudges taken off the shelf. So we had one week on and one week off. And the week then that the, sh the nudges weren't applied was our control. Because you need to see, would this behaviour have changed without this intervention? Um, and so it's very important to have that sort of control that you can work out would this have happened otherwise because of other influences that may be happening. It's a hot day, it's a cold day or whatever. Yeah. And that helps you understand whether the actual nudge is the reason for the change in behaviour. Um, data governance is something else I'd consider at the very beginning in terms of the GDPR rules, is there something around those that you need to consider upfront in terms of gathering any data? Is it personal data? Um, is anything happening in the environment around that same time that you need to be mindful of that may impact or skew the results? Um, is the, in terms of sign up of your partners, once you've signed up your initial partner, how easy it will it be to sign up future partners going forward? Um, I've got another nudge example, which will sort of bring some of these other issues to life, if it's worth me talking about that. I can just jump back. I think it's really important what you were saying about actually people substituted for another drink. It wasn't that they saw the nudge, the yeah. stop sign and went oh, I'm going to leave the hospital cafe. Yes. So actually, commercially, 
if you're looking to roll this out into library cafes, museum cafes, other settings, the council owns yes. cafes, yes. It, it doesn't hit the bottom line. You know, you, you are still buying something else. Yes. Well, in terms of the future intentions of using the Nudge trial, uh, we've just built a strategy called Whole Systems Approach to Healthy Weight. And this trial is going to be central to that strategy. So we've then spoken to other public sector partners in terms of their willingness to undertake um, this trial um, or this intervention within then their commercial settings. And we've got a lot of, a lot of other public sector organisations within the city who are now on board with this approach and willing to take this forward. So in terms of sustainability, it's something which has got a lot of um, sustainable future intentions for us and partners to take this on board to help with an issue that we have, um, not just in Liverpool, but it is a national issue um, and around obesity and the overconsumption of sugar. It's such a good, easy project to understand. It's an yes. easy story to tell, isn't it? You've got the, the stop signs to show people. Yes. Um, it's a good one to get people on board with, isn't it? It with is. Nudge can work because it's worked in with this one and it builds momentum, I, it, I guess. It does, and it's such an easy um, sign to people. When anyone sees a stop sign, it, it, it's universal in terms of its understanding. And so you don't have to explain what that sign is. It's just got a universal understanding and people can see stop, danger, don't do this without even consciously thinking about that's what it's telling them. Good stuff. It would be great to hear about any other projects you've got, any other BI projects and, and I guess pulling out those top tips for others looking to, to take these projects forward as well would be great. So another project which we've trialled and now have results for is increasing school attendance. Um, so using... Um, Using nudge techniques whereby we send texts to parents and to students in terms of creating motivation and a conversation outside school between the child and the parent with the mindset then this um, extra conversation creates more of a motivation to attend school. So we trial this over a number of secondary schools in Liverpool with the years 9, 10 and 11. The students were in a certain attendance category, so their attendance was between 80% and 93%, and then we started sending the text over a whole academic year. We've got to the end of the year, and we've found that with years 9 and 10, we've increased attendance between um, those that received the trial and those that didn't by 1.9 percentage points which in terms of school attendance um, results is very good. Um, so we're very pleased with the outcome of that. And something, again, once you trial something and you know it works, it's something that becomes very sustainable. We can now produce a toolkit for secondary schools for them to self-administer this. We don't have to be involved going forward. We have to just give them the information of how to do it, when to do it, and the texts. And then the schools can self-administer this and be in charge and control then of their own attendance strategy that we've, we've set up and shown it works and we've given the evidence. So something which can be done at no cost to the school. The schools normally collect um, children's mobile phone numbers and parents. So they've got everything there. They just need then this extra information 
which we're planning to put together for the schools and then they can just go off and do it themselves. Sue, could you give some examples of kind of the wording of those texts, what, what kind of things were being sent out and which ones worked, I guess you're saying, that's fantastic results around that 1.9% increase in attendance, which yeah. is, is a fantastic outcome. So yes. if you could give a bit more specifics around it was, the text, please. It was actually, the texts were actually based on behavioural insights. So it's things like um, saying that the, the brain is a muscle. The more you use it, the more it works. Um, building what-if plans into um, if a child has an issue, then that child sort of foreseeing that type of issue and build some plans to, to solve that issue. So if I'm being distracted by my phone going off while I'm doing my homework, I will always turn my phone off while I'm doing my homework. So it's simple sort of learning tips and motivation tips then that got that child sort of more focused on the work, on the school, um, and it gave things also like um, revision tips, um, gave them different resources to go and look at and, and sort of learn more about um, how it's best to learn and what does work and what doesn't work and so on. So it's based on sort of um, the psychology of how the, and how the brain works. Then we've just shared that, that knowledge with, with, with um, children so that they, 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 it sort of sparked their interest in terms of what they're doing and how they're doing it and then how they can make it better. So it's almost preempting things that could affect attendance and actually having a plan in place for if that arises, I will do X yes. and, and starting to build that resilience, I guess. It does build resilience because the, the pupils that we chose for the trial are ones that do have um, sort of issues with attendance. Um, so we chose those pupils specifically to change their behaviour. Um, so by using this, this technique, we've sort of proven that it, in terms of certain cohorts of students, then they are more willing to take ownership of their own sort of future and learning environment. Now, something to bear in mind is nudge techniques. You need to consider the audience that you're um, targeting, targeting them at. So with this particular one, we chose children with attendance of 80% above. Those below would need a completely different approach, maybe more of a one-to-one -one type approach in terms of mentoring and, and sort of face-to-face -face engagement with that child. So to bear in mind, you do need to consider the audience that you're targeting these two and how effective that's going to be to that audience because it's not always going to work with everybody. Um, and so you do need to consider if, if there's something different in terms of more complex needs that's needed in terms of more one-to-one hand-holding, um, hand um, understanding maybe um, more ingrained reasons why that child isn't going to school. Um, so it's just sort of not a word of caution, but just from experience, you do need to understand the behaviour you're looking to change and the target audience that you're looking to change it within and understand um, sort of how, much, how effective it is going to be with that target audience. Yeah, makes, makes sense, definitely makes sense. In terms of obviously you've got the 1.9% increase in attendance, has there been any change in terms of the academic results of that group or are there plans to look into that? Right, there are plans to look into it because I would be very interested to find out because a lot of the tools and techniques were giving them more information of how to sort of 
revise better or to, to do homework or to study in a different way. So it's something we are looking into with those schools in terms of academic and attainment, um, just to see if there was a difference within that as well. So it's something I'm very keen to look into. Mm -hmm. And there are plans to roll that out to other schools across the city? We're at a very early stage. You, yeah, we're at a very early stage. Um, and my recommendation to the senior people within the council is to make the recommendation that we produce a toolkit for secondary schools to then implement the, this themselves, which, given the information we've learned, will be very easy for them to do. So a question we like to always ask um, of our leading thinkers in behavioural insights across local government, of which so you definitely are one, you've um, been doing this for a long time now. So I'm keen to understand where do you see behavioural insights going in local government? Where do you see the kind of future trends and opportunities, not just for Liverpool, but I guess across our sector? Okay. So over the past three or four years, while I've been working um, with Behavioural Insights, I've found um, that there's a lot more subject matters that people are applying Behavioural Insights to. So when I started this, it was mainly health, the health agenda that people are applying them to. But over the past um, three, four years, I've seen councils and ourselves applying it to a whole range of different services. And this could be littering, uh, fly tipping, recycling, overpayment of housing benefit or even, even increasing resilience. So the subject matter that this can be applied to is limitless. It could be applied to any issue that you have or any um, service. So in terms of the future, I believe it's certainly got a future in terms of local government. But in terms of its awareness, I still believe that some awareness raising, awareness raising is needed and it's full understanding um, appreciated. There's still confusion, I believe, across within Liverpool City Council and other councils, the difference between things like campaigns, communications, marketing, social marketing, nudge and behavioural insights. And I, I, I strongly believe that if we can sort of raise awareness of all those different disciplines, um, then we can start to embed this more into services and issues that we have within local authority. So in terms of the future, because of what we've already trialled and what we've found, we know is something that's sustainable, something which is effective and efficient, use of resource and time and something which works and can change behaviour in a positive direction. Given the budget issues that a lot of council have now, it's got to be something which is firmly embedded into councils to help them understand their consumers and how we then adapt to consumer needs and service those consumers. Definitely would agree with you there. Um, but yeah, that point around awareness raising around those different types of disciplines and yes. almost communications around the communications terms, yes. really. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a, a vital point that um, and the subject matter is limitless I really think you know the sky's the limit with this stuff isn't it and what it Definitely. can be applied to it's exciting um, so just to finish off we we would like to get your take on what are your top tips really I know you've alluded to it a few as we've gone through but I just think it's really vital uh, to make it really clear for the listeners um, that they can take away top tips like we want them to get started and have a go on their own behavioral insights projects so 
if you were speaking to yourself at the beginning of this journey, um, what are those top tips you would give yourself really on this work? From the very beginning, when you start to consider behavioural insights, you need to consider, maybe try and look into the future. So if this nudge was successful, could it be upscaled? Um, and if so, what would it solve? So in terms of the issues that you're looking to solve, you need to fully scope out at the beginning, what are the issues you're trying to solve? Um, and then if you solve those, what effect would it have? And then could you upscale the nudge technique um, to make it sustainable in the future. So that's something which I firmly believe you need to consider at the very beginning um, to make sure then what you're going to attempt in terms of a trial is something which is going to make a difference going forward. Um, consider, is there going to be any future costs um, in terms of then if you do want to roll out the um, nudge technique? And if you consider that at the very beginning you can then preempt um, in terms of cost effectiveness and design something that could potentially cost you nothing in the future to upscale um, and roll out. Stakeholder engagement is something else which is something which is very important from the beginning. Consider all the stakeholders that you need to sort of um, build relationships along the journey and make sure um, then those stakeholders have the same vision as what you have in terms of the intentions of the nudge and um, what it's going to solve going forward. Um, and above all, um, give it a go. It's a trial. Sometimes it will work, sometimes it may not. We have to try these things to see if they're going to work. There's not always evidence out there. Um, my philosophy is you don't always have to do something that is evidence-based give it a go. We can create our own evidence. We're trialling these things um, which could have huge impact, which haven't been trialled before. And if we get it right, we can be the trailblazers of sort of making the understanding of nudge demystified. Um, and I strongly believe that it's, it's got a lot of potential, a lot of potential. So give it a go, have fun. Um, there's a lot of people out there that are willing to help and provide guidance, expertise if needed. If it's needed, go and find those people. I'm sure they're going to be more willing to help um, and, and give it a go. Excellent stuff. Thanks, Sue. A clear message there from everyone. So give it a go. Start something. Have a go at your Behaviour Insights project. Um, we have got all of the um, reports and also the stop signs and all of that stuff is on our website from the Liverpool Fizzy Drinks trial and if you basically go on to www.local.gov.uk and search for behavioural insights the Liverpool project is on our website so you can pick up all of the learning and give it a go in your local area. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do pass it on to your friends or colleagues and help us spread the word. And again, thank you very much for listening.